Welcome back to the New New Englanders. I'm Sarah. I'm Connor. And we're here to share some of New England's best music, arts, and subcultures with you. Yes, we are. But first, let's get into the news. New news with the New New Englanders. So this is actually a, a big story coming out of Maine. It's pretty much the, the first thing you see when you're looking for news in Maine currently. I don't know how often this happens in other states, but for the first time in 17 years, the Maine State Treasurer's Office is going to have to hold an auction to get rid of what's called unclaimed property. And what that is, is three years after a safety deposit box at a bank has been abandoned and their leases are over, the contents get handed over to the state. From there, people are allowed to like make claims and try to reclaim these things from the state treasury. But at a certain point, the basement of the main state capital will just be full of random stuff from security deposit boxes once it's full, they just have to have this massive auction. So it's like stuff? It's all sorts of stuff. There's jewelry, timepieces, things that are clearly important to people, oh. random stamps, oh, baseball okay. cards, magazines, just anything anyone could think to like keep in a safety deposit box. They're quoting the total value of the objects that they've accumulated at $310 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know how they ended up at that figure. Is this across the state? Yes. It's okay. across the state, and the items have accumulated for the past 17 years. Oh, my God. Like I said, I don't know how often this happens in more populous states or how other states' laws end up enforcing this. But Maine seems to just wait until this basement is full of stuff and they can't hold anything else. And then they just have a massive auction. And they're supposedly trying to reunite a lot of this stuff with the actual lawful owners or possibly the descendants of someone who passed away and, you know, their box went derelict. But they're going to have to go ahead with this auction. And I mean, who knows? It's like storage wars. It is. It's like a statewide storage wars. <laughs> but I don't know if you if you are into collectibles or something, if, if you have a thing for baseball cards, this might be your chance to uh, get a good deal from the main state government. It's pretty cool. I mean, I know... I know that you people can have like unclaimed property in terms of just like money. Like you could look that up online and see if you have that. Yeah. But I didn't know that they did it with stuff. I guess that makes sense. Like if you just have a, a safety deposit box that hasn't been used, obviously there's demand for those. Like I said, if if you're interested in some old jewelry or something, this could be this could be a great deal for you. Word. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> So I have a short story out of Massachusetts that is very similar to my story from our last episode in that there is an emu on the loose in Lakeville, Massachusetts. An emu as in the giant bird that can grow up to over six feet tall and run 35 miles an hour. And it's been on the loose for three days after her owner moved away and just left the emu <laughs> behind. <laughs> You can't do that with an emu. <laughs> you shouldn't do that as a responsible pet owner in general. But you cannot do that with an emu. There's a video on the news website of like them like 
First of all, they make like multiple emu puns. They call it a state of emergency. Nice. And <laughs> the name of the like segment is Free Bird. Wow. Yeah. And they interviewed just a bunch of random people and everyone is like being really serious. And I was just laughing the entire time because it was like, this is hilarious. I mean, it's terrifying because the, <laughs> like it can probably hurt you. And also like you can't just like catch it. People keep finding it and seeing it. But no one knows how to catch it. So they're all just like freaking out. I think it's like roughly as tall as most people. Or if taller. Not taller. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I guess they're saying like if you see it, call animal control because they have like a, you know, professional there to who can handle it. <laughs> don't those guys usually like worry about like, I don't know, coyotes or something? <laughs> this seems like it's probably out of their purview. <laughs> well, they probably like called someone in for a favor. Right. The emu <laughs> guy. Fly someone in from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, can you imagine, like, there was one guy they said who saw it and they started to approach it, but he was like, I have no idea how to even, like, try to go about this. Sure, yeah. A woman called the emu elusive <laughs> because it just keeps, like, disappearing. It, there's, like, pictures of it just, like, eating stuff from people's gardens and just, like, walking around in the woods. Oh, my God. I think it's fun. <laughs> if I was taking a walk... On an afternoon or night, one day. On a night, especially. Oh my god! I would be so scared. (laughs) I would be terrified. Imagine being chased around by an emu in the suburbs. (laughs) You would immediately get probably like trampled by it. Oh, it's got to be way faster than we could ever hope to be. Yeah, it says that they can run up to thirty-five miles per hour. Yeah, what type of person (laughs) let this apex predator loose? (laughs) I also love the article. Does not mention like the name of the owner or if anything's going to happen to them. I imagine them to just be kind of like a little evil and being like, he, 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 I'm just going to let the emu loose and make all these people figure it out themselves. Like they're like, I hate this town. I don't get how they expected they wouldn't be caught (laughs) for this offense. You know, there's an emu going around. It's like, well, I wonder who could have possibly... Who could have possibly done this? <laughs> it's probably that lady that owned an emu and is now suspiciously not here. <laughs> there was no information about the the owner on the article at all, um, which I think is even funnier. She must be arrested for her crimes. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a terroristic act towards the people of Massachusetts. <laughs> So I actually have another story of animal delinquency in Massachusetts to share with you all. What? Funnily enough, I feel like we had some nice animal stories last week, and this week we have some dark, (laughs) (laughs) deranged animal stories. So this story is actually specifically directed to those of our listeners who might be able, might have the capacity to adopt a mouse or even mice. This is for the mice adopters because you are urgently needed. The Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals has had 500 mice surrendered to them. 500? A mouse owner. uh, (laughs) Someone who has been overwhelmed by the amount of mice they have. Here's a quote from someone with the Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty of Animals. All of these mice were surrendered from a single home. Alas, this is a case of a person who means well, but whose situation quickly got out of hand. What? (laughs) Which 
I totally understand the you know aspect of the situation getting out of hand because if I had 500 mice, I would certainly be having a situation I don't know if I could handle. I don't know if I could handle that going on. It's a lot of mice. Our teams have spent many hours neutering as many of the male mice as we can and will only be adopting single-sex pairs or individuals into new homes to ensure the population does not grow again. So clearly this is someone well-meaning, wanted to own mice, but had <laughs> mice that were not neutered oh, and no. seemingly had a population get out of control. That's horrifying. Maybe they had like a couple pet mice, but then like they lost them somewhere. <laughs> then suddenly there's all these new mice showing up. Interestingly enough, they say that they were surrendered 500 mice, but they're only adopting out 250. So maybe they've already had some great luck. I hope. I don't. I wonder what they do with the others. I I don't even want to speculate, but I hope that they are all doing well. So I just read that each litter can consist of five or six mice babies. Gotcha. However, in a year, that means that they could have between 25 and 60 offspring. Jeez. And it only takes between 19 and 21 days for them to actually give birth once they're pregnant. So say you have like five female mice and they all get pregnant. And they all have five babies. Yeah, so I'm not sure how the math is working out here, how their problem got so out of hand. They must have already had, like, a decent amount of mice, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I have no idea. But listen, if you have it in your heart and your ability and your means to adopt some mice, there are 250 that need homes, ideally in uh, friendly pairs, (laughs) same-sex pairs of mice, Sarah and I cannot help this situation. We're both cat owners. Yep, that would be so unfortunate. Clearly, I have seen clearly Stevie we can't. mutilate a mouse. Yeah, Stevie especially <laughs> cannot be trusted with a mouse. But clearly we're not equipped to help with this situation. But I know some of you are. I know there's got <laughs> to be at least one, one of you <laughs> who could take 50 to 70 mice home with them. <laughs> I'm hoping for the best for all these rodents. If you have a spare bedroom, it's the perfect use. (laughs) If you're in a situation where you do own mice and are starting to see things get out of hand, please contact someone (laughs) as soon as possible. Don't let it get too bad. You can get back from this. Take the opportunity now (laughs) before you're in the hundreds, please, for the sake of everyone. Uh, All right. My next story is a whirlwind. I found this story and I thought that the headline looked interesting. Let me just read to you the headline that drew me in. Man gets two years in prison for using COVID-19 relief funds to start alpaca farm in Vermont. No, I get it. Yep. I said, I need to know. I empathize with this person. (laughs) I said, I need to know what happened here. Yeah. So (laughs) this story is about a man named Dana McIntyre. And he owned a pizza restaurant called Rasta Pasta Pizza. Huh. You don't find that part out until like later in the story. I switched all the details around to make this easy to tell. But I looked up Rasta Pasta Pizza. They only had one item that contained jerk chicken on it. Hmm. So the Rasta part, I don't know about that. Anyway, so he owned this pizza restaurant in Massachusetts and he had less than 10 employees. 
but he lied to the government back in 2020 when he was applying for government relief for COVID-19. And he said that he had nearly 50 employees. So already he was going to be getting more money from them. Mm. And then he had his two adult children falsely claim fake businesses, one of which was called Dana's Dank Pies. <laughs> so another pizza company. And he ultimately got nearly $700,000 in COVID relief loans, which like totally was nowhere near what he probably would have gotten if he applied for this accurately. Right. So shortly after he gets this money, he sells the pizza place and uses the money to buy a farm in Vermont and eight alpacas, as well as a new truck, a vintage car, and uses nearly $7,000 for his cryptocurrency podcast. <laughs> He uses it for renovations to his house. And then there's also one thing that they found that was uh, $2,000 charged to a cosmetic spa. He told the New York Times that he didn't intend on buying the farm to use for alpacas. But once he bought it, he got two to use as quote unquote lawn ornaments. And then once they started to get attention, he bought more alpacas and turned it into a business. I find it funny that he told the New York Times this. <laughs> At the farm, which is still in business right now, even though this whole thing is going on, you can hand feed the alpacas and take walks with them, which costs $50 for an hour. That feels steep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. There's also an Airbnb there, like on the farm, mm -hmm. that costs nearly $200 per night. There is, however, a pinball machine in one of the rooms. Oh. Pretty cool. And the Airbnb looks nice. I will give them that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Airbnb prices are, like, terrible right now anyway, so... I guess I can't really comment on that. I don't know what that is in comparison to other prices elsewhere. They also do breeding with the alpacas, which starts at around $1,000. And they do boarding for other farm animals if you want to board your animals there. So that's what he did with his COVID money is he started this farm. He turned it into a business, whatever. And then he got charged and pleaded guilty to four counts of wire fraud and three counts of money laundering once the government found out like what he did with the money. And now he's been sentenced to two years in federal prison for fraudulently using the money. And I think that it's funny that that is what he ended up doing with it personally. Yeah. But it's also valid. I mean, if you're like, I don't know, a little crazy and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to use all this money to start a farm. <laughs> he also tells the New York Times that he like what he did wasn't a complete crime. I forget what the exact quote was, but he says something like the only crime here was me lying about the number of employees I had. That's where the crime starts and the crime ends. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> he also, yeah, he says he didn't intend to steal a bunch of money and use it for a farm, but it just like wound up that way. Like what? That's not how that works. <laughs> I, that's like a funny way to explain your motive for any crime. Of Just like, <laughs> I, I didn't expect I'd do it, but then I just wound up doing it. <laughs> it just wound up happening. Uh, and yeah, so I found his Facebook page for his podcast, which is not seemingly very popular. I don't know how many listeners he gets. His Facebook page gets like zero interactions on every single mm. post. I can't tell where he stands, like, politically or anything. It's kind of hard to tell. He's very strange. <laughs> However, I, I did go down a rabbit hole a little bit about him and found out that he made, like, a short film as well that he posts about. This guy is just a renaissance man. I know. He's involved in pizza, alpacas, <laughs> crypto, 
He's a film director. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is that it's a short form. It's 10 minutes. I did not watch the whole thing because I was not going to do that. <laughs> Even though it's only 10 minutes, I did not care enough. He made a short form animated movie, except he didn't animate it or make the music or anything. And it's entirely based on a true story. So I don't really know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> He directed. <laughs> I guess so, but it's it's an animated short form movie depicting the things that happened in real life. What is it about? It's actually a pretty interesting story, I, which I also went into a rabbit hole about. I did not ever hear about this, but it's about an American man who was imprisoned in North Korea and returned to the United States with like no brain activity and ended up like dying shortly thereafter. There's like a whole long rabbit hole you can go down about it, but it's very interesting and sad, obviously. Like he was imprisoned there for tampering with some sort of propaganda. He's also like 22 or yeah, something. Yeah, I think I've heard of this before. Yeah. I'm a little bewildered by the connection here <laughs> like i know i was like why is the last thing i expected you to say that this guy had a short <laughs> film about <laughs> like i know right it makes this I... man is a character <laughs> um and also the movie was nominated for an naacp image award which also doesn't hell? entirely make sense to me i also don't think that he won it because he stopped posting about it he posted a screenshot of like his invitation to the award ceremony, and then there was nothing after that. So I don't think he won. Huh. But in the caption for that, he did say, I'm feeling pretty fly for a white guy, which I thought was pretty funny. That just feels like a, a crazy ass response to that, too. I know. You know, I'm glad to hear that there's been some follow up on these COVID loans because you hear a lot of stories of uh, tons of businesses getting them and yeah, you know, maybe a little questionably. I think now they're really cracking down on it because it's been a few years that they like can do it now, you know? Yeah. At the same time, though, I'm kind of cool with it being used by some eccentric lunatic to make an alpaca farm. Right? That, that kind know. of is fine with me <laughs> on some level. His website for the farm also says under new ownership, more information coming soon. But I don't know if that's under new ownership, like after him getting arrested and having to go to prison. Yeah. Or if he's the new ownership, because he did say that it was a farm that he like bought off someone else that was active. But that wouldn't make any sense because they didn't have alpacas there. So that must be what they mean is that they're under new ownership after him getting arrested. Yeah. What's the farm's name? The farm is called, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce this, Houghtonville Farm. It's H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N-V-I-L-L-E. So Houghtonville, Houghtonville. I'm not positive. Mm. Their website is not great, but it's not terrible. But yeah, it says new ownership, stay tuned. So... Maybe they'll be getting some new people to run it. I don't know. I'm also interested, you know, he had his two adult children claim fake businesses for him. Like, I wonder if there's anything happening to them or if he's taking the heat for that, if they, like, ratted him out for it. Clearly, this dude is on the grind. He, he just right? <laughs> never stops. <laughs> All of his schemes. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like these kind of people, like, it's not just one thing. They have to have a bunch, especially the fact that he's, like, involved in, like, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It's, like, not very surprising to me that he has these, like, side hustles yeah yeah but he's been doing this like crypto podcast for a minute i scrolled for a while down uh, his facebook page and there were no interactions on any of the posts once again the man is a schemer <laughs> yeah sure. maybe we can get him on 
Maybe we can interview him. Um, maybe. I don't know if I want to do that, but he doesn't he doesn't have to go to prison till January, so I guess we have time. I'm sure he'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> the man the man has his own pod. He gets it. <laughs> True. Yeah, he, ha- he has not posted on Facebook since he officially got like sentenced. Might be for the best. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Now's the time for us to switch over to our main topic. Yeah. Today's main topic is the Big E. The Big E. Otherwise known as the Eastern States Exposition, which I don't think it goes by that anymore. I think the Big E is like their new name. It looks like the official name is still the Eastern States Exposition. Like that's the name of the Wikipedia article and everything. Mm. But it's the Big E. All of their own marketing materials, their website. It's the Big E. The Big E. From here on. So let, let's get into some Big E history to start. <laughs> so for those who don't know, the Big E is the premier New England State Fair. It takes place in West Springfield, Massachusetts. It was founded in 1917. It's been held continuously since then, with the sole exceptions of both world wars and COVID-19. Which is crazy that that those are the only three times that they didn't do it. Yep, yep. The Big E is supposedly the fifth largest fair in the U.S., and it's also the only state fair in the U.S. that hosts more than one state. Which I think is pretty cool that they sort of recognize New England as a region for the Big E. For sure. I think that's great that New England is the only region to do that and to have some sort of conglomerate state fair. It's because we're the best. Yeah, it's true. It's also worth noting that in years past, it did used to be open to more of the eastern states. I know for sure Delaware, Pennsylvania, and New York. And New New Jersey. Jersey. Yep. They were all invited initially, and that's why its name as like, you know, the Eastern States Exposition was what it was. Mm -hmm. But then over time, they sort of began ostracizing the non-New England states until the point where they just completely severed ties with them and decided that the Big E is a New England only experience. It was like 30 years after they started that they decided it's just going to be New England. Yep. So as Connor said, the... Fair was conceived and started back in 1917, and it was started with the idea about focusing on agriculture mainly. Farming was on the decline, and they didn't really know what to do, so they decided to start this huge fair to show like new farming techniques and bring new people in to kind of get their minds going to build new machines and things like that to get the farming industry back up. And very quickly, they invited younger people like the Boys and Girls Club of America to do agricultural competitions with kids to get younger people's interests in agriculture. And it very much so still is a part of the fair. Agriculture is probably the main focus of it. I'm not sure if it's still like, you know, the largest draw as it once was. The state's buildings and the events and all of the different things are definitely more of a draw for people. The generic person coming up from Connecticut probably isn't necessarily going to look at the farm stuff. However, it is still a huge part of the fair. Yeah, and before we move on completely from the history of the Big E, I do want to air some dirty laundry that I found when I was doing some research. And this is just on Wikipedia. But in the 1920s, the rise of the eugenics movement Mm -hmm. led to the inclusion of fitter family contests 
in which prizes were awarded to individuals and families based on appearance and ethnic background. I'd like to say that we at the TNNE pod are anti-eugenics. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Thankfully, there's no more of that at the Big E. They did away with that yeah. <laughs> once we realized that that has no place in state fairs. I did. I looked up the Fitter Family Contests, and apparently it was like a thing at a lot of state fairs, hmm. not just the Big E. And it's because of like, I mean, farmers are bringing the best bred pigs and horses oh, and no. cows so why not do it with humans like that was their oh, that was their Christ. mindset which is insane thankfully the biggie has developed quite a bit since then and we can leave things like that in the past yes. in the history of the fair <laughs> today like you mentioned earlier the biggie's main draw for a lot of people is the avenue of states and everything that can be found within there. Yeah. The Avenue of States is a thoroughfare featuring six buildings that are each modeled after the original state houses of each New England state. And they host a bunch of different booths and attractions that showcase each state's signature foods and drinks and even like products of those states. For example, Connecticut has in the past had a Lego booth and like a Timex watch booth because those are companies that are headquartered in Connecticut. Unfortunately though, Lego is moving its USA headquarters from Enfield <laughs> to Boston, Yeah, which is just, you know, Connecticut getting handed another L, but that's nothing new. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's... I think for a lot of people, that is the main thing that they go for. Yeah, and I get why. I mean, it's it's cool to walk through those buildings and kind of see everything that each state has to offer, especially when it's not just like major things that necessarily the state's known for, but there's like small businesses in there that get booths and stuff, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Another fun fact about each of those buildings is that apparently each state individually built the buildings and each building and the land that it's on is owned by each state. Wow. Which is something that I didn't know. Yeah, so like Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine all own like a square of land in West Springfield, Massachusetts. So I don't know how that's possible. It's almost like a state embassy. Yeah. I can't imagine there's another example of that in the United States of like a state having an embassy in another state. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. It's it's a pretty weird thing that I had never heard of before. One of the interesting things too in each of these buildings is like there'll be like the state police will have a booth and then like in the Massachusetts building there's like every single government office has a booth. It's hosted in Massachusetts so it makes sense. But it's like okay, what I cannot imagine that many people are like coming up to you and asking you about what you do, but go for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things about the Biggie that's kind of funny is it's not just for fun at all. There's some pretty serious aspects of the event. Yeah. Like there's a lot of agricultural competitions that are a pretty big deal in that world. Educational stuff too is like huge. Yeah. I mean, the E stands for like education entertainment and excitement i'm pretty sure right <laughs> yeah so obviously education is kind of a huge part of the entire event even though people just look at it as like a big fair that's fun to go to which it's commercialized of course it is yeah it's a lot of things it's not any singular thing it's a very big e it's an <laughs> enormous e <laughs> 
So I wanted to touch on some of my favorite things from the state buildings. I've been to the Biggie multiple times in my life. I went every single year that I was in college because of a club that I was in would go. And I went as a kid a handful of times. But I think the thing that takes the cake, which I think most people can agree on, are the main baked potatoes. There will always be a super long line for them. There was one year when I was in college when I went to the Big E and I was super hungover and it was a pretty miserable time, but I was required to go because it was for a club and I was like the volunteer. Even though I didn't have to do anything, I just had to go. I didn't have to like watch anyone or anything. Everyone was an adult, <laughs> but it was just like required that one member of the group had to go. Right. So I spent the whole day alone, first of all, because none of my friends wanted to come. And I remember standing in the main baked potatoes line, just so hungover, like hardly <laughs> able to stand, like cannot wait for a baked potato. And then I ate like half the baked potato and I fell asleep on the grass lawn. They have a big green. I fell asleep like on the grass under a tree, which is like the only tree that I could find it was hot outside and I didn't even eat the other half of the potato because once I woke up I was kind of like I don't know it's kind of been sitting out for a while I don't know if any bugs landed on it but did you feel better after I felt that? so much better afterwards <laughs> because it's just carbs like it was just a right. potato it was so worth it I forget how much it costs it's expensive but like it's not that expensive compared to the other food that you can get there it's kind of insane the process that they do too because you walk in, you pay, they give you like a coin and then you go down essentially an assembly line like you're at Subway or Chipotle of like a baked potato mm. making assembly line because it's one of the busiest parts of like the entire state avenue. And so they just have like a million people working back there loading up those baked potatoes for people. Yeah. And they're so good. I love your story because I feel like it's the perfect distillation of what the biggie is all about <laughs> <laughs> hungover taking a nap after a baked potato <laughs> it's the field. american way <laughs> no i also don't drink anymore because i had way too many times like that right too many baked <laughs> potatoes <laughs> too many times of being hungover in a place where i didn't want to be hungover the biggie i I would say it's probably not a great place. To no, be it was not. It was miserable. As I said before, there's so many people there and I was alone and none of my friends came with me. <laughs> so I was just like chugging Gatorade and it's hot outside and I'm by myself sweating. I still had a good time, but I didn't really do much that year because I was very hungover. Yeah, yeah. But I went for free. <laughs> so I can't, I mean, whatever. They counted me as another one in the... One million people who went, I guess. <laughs> One of the many millions <laughs> who attended that year and <laughs> ate a baked potato and passed out. In the field. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Just one out of many. <laughs> I do wonder if there's someone like me out there. <laughs> Anyways, in the other buildings, um, in the Connecticut building, I really like the maple snacks that they have there. In the Vermont building, the apple cider, they used to have donuts. Their website this year didn't say that they had donuts, but I remember them having donuts when I went, unless I'm like making that up. Rhode Island has Dell's lemonade, which is like obviously the best. And New Hampshire and or New Hampshire and Massachusetts, I don't really like remember anything from their buildings, but apparently New Hampshire has a booth called Nip and Sip, which they make gourmet catnip. <laughs> 
uh, and catnip comforters and herbal teas. Uh, and I just thought their name was funny. Yeah. Who knows what goes on in New Hampshire? <laughs> yeah. Uh, live free or die. Massachusetts, like I said, they have a lot of like government booths and stuff, but they also have like a lot of food, multiple delis making different types of sandwiches and like baked goods and all this stuff. So I definitely will have to revisit them next time I go. There's a couple of foods that are signature foods for the Biggie at large, not owned by any specific state uh the most notable of which is the biggie cream puff i've never had one <laughs> this must be the year i want one <laughs> you're gonna have to try it that's not even like that great of a tradition though because they started that in 2002 and they were oh. specifically looking to find a signature food for the biggie and then just sort of landed on that they have a couple others beyond that as well in 2004 they introduced the big Eclair. Hell yeah. Those are straight Chocolate up my two clay. favorite like pastries that exist. They are really solid pastries, I do admit. In 2006, they announced the Big E chocolate chip cookies. That's boring. And sorry. In 2009, <laughs> though, if you, you, th you think that's boring, well, get ready. 2009, they introduced the Craze E burger, which is a bacon cheeseburger, but instead of a bun, it's on a glazed donut which is just about the most state fair food yep. that could ever exist. I don't think I'll ever need to try that nope. because <laughs> it's just an unspeakable <laughs> abomination. I have a really hard time eating fair food. I'm going to say it. I have a hard time eating fried stuff like fried Oreos and things I'm not a fan of. And every time I hear that someone's used like a donut as a bun for something, <laughs> I'm like immediately a little disgusted. Well, it'd be like the worst sandwich to be on a donut because I feel like it'd be like a tuna salad. I mean, it depends on if you consider this a sandwich, but like a grilled cheese. Nah, that would kind of, I mean, that's kind of what the biggie is. There's cheese on it. I guess so. But just like, just donuts and cheese? I don't know. That seems I weird. I feel like that could work. I guess there, there's so. A universe in which it works. Yeah. I don't know what think, could like, be the worst the sandwich. Fish is involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, kind that's kind of game over. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Honestly, not to completely detract from everything we're saying about the Big E, I'm not huge about fairs in general. What? Honestly. No, I'm not a huge fair person in just the same reason you're saying, which is that. Oftentimes the food is like destined to make me ill. Yeah. And then beyond there, fairs are mostly just a slideshow of things that will make you feel more ill. <laughs> That's true. That's you true. Get on carnival yeah. rides. Yeah. You're around animals. And yeah. <laughs> in traffic. <laughs> That's true. I think that nowadays there's like way more options for like things that aren't just fried food. Like when I was looking at their website, they had some of the vendors listed for food stuff, like people who have like new stuff that they didn't have last year and stuff like that. Like they have empanadas and things and like, I don't know, empanadas don't make me sick. Those sound really good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the Big E though and how it contrasts from a lot of places is I do think that there's just so many more options. And I think the whole state house section is really cool. Yeah. And such a unique thing to have at a state fair. And it's worth noting that these are all like permanent buildings that host this every single year. Yes, they are permanent buildings. The vendors aren't permanent, but the buildings are. Exactly. So I would say that even though I'm not a, a fair person, that the Biggie's worth it. 
honestly. Yeah. Like there, there's also just so many more things to do than your typical state fair. The Biggie also like says on their website they have vegan, vegetarian, gluten free options, and they like list out the vendors that have those options. So like, do not fear because I know a lot of my friends when they go to fairs, it's like there's nothing for them to eat there usually, except for maybe like a vegetable. Someone will have a vegetable. Yeah, the Biggie's totally different. There's actually a lot of really good food. Yeah, there's like, there's a bunch of different cultures that have different types of food. There's a couple of like actual restaurants where you can like have a sit down eating experience as well. So it's definitely worth checking out their website if you're someone who doesn't like fares because of the food. Maybe look and see what they have and see if you would be interested because it, I think that the Biggie's worth it. Besides just the avenue of states and being able to explore what all the New England states have, there's also a super interesting historical aspect to the fair in the Starroton Village Museum, which is a huge area of the park that consists of nine buildings that are real original structures from historical New England that were all built in the 17 and 1800s. And this museum is open year round, but obviously during the Big E, it's their biggest time of the year and this whole area not only is it just like historical buildings that you can go into and look at they also have a bunch of crafts vendors there that's kind of where the crafts vendors live at the biggie so people making things like gloves and hats and jewelry and pottery people making like all sorts of cool things like imagine you go into like a country general store and all the like little knickknacks they have and like wooden carved sculptures and stuff like that the blacksmith is there. You could get like a ring made out of a nail. I did that when I was like seven. <laughs> <laughs> that whole area is just really cool. And that's where the green is that I passed out under a tree. Because it's like a little town. Like they turn it into a little town. The church is there. I think that's where it is anyway. Maybe it's not. I think it is. And yeah, all the little buildings. There's a gazebo where they host like... There's like hypnotists and magicians that do like family fun stuff. While I was laying on the grass and took a nap, I ended up sitting through two cycles of the hypnotist or the magician, one of the, one of the other. He had one time slot in the morning and one time slot in the afternoon. And I was there for so long that I saw both. <laughs> <laughs> in between, they had like other stuff going on. But once the second one started happening and I was like halfway through, I was like, okay, this is bad. I need to like get up and walk around. It was funny watching people get, like, quote-unquote hypnotized, though. That was entertaining. Beyond just the historical aspect, too, there's a lot of live events that you can go see while you're at the Biggie. For example, there's the circus. There's the parade that happens every single day, all 17 days, which is a Mardi Gras-style parade. It's fun. <laughs> That's all I have to say. It's fun. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also hosts quite a few musical performances. Yes. There are three stages within the Big E. There's the headlining stage, which is the Big E Arena. And then there's the Court of Honor stage, which is the mid-sized. And then there's a smaller stage. This year, there's going to be a couple of headliners. Some oh, notable ones yes. are... John Fogarty. Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. <laughs> Zed. And then who could forget Vanilla Ice is going to be there. There's also going to be Third Eye Blind playing. Sorry, I'm so excited about that. Also <laughs> Puddle of Mud. Well, there's Puddle of Mud playing on September 29th. And then the next day is Third Eye Blind. Wow. Yeah. Friday and Saturday. And then the Verve Pipe who have that one song. They only have one song that everybody knows. I can't even remember the name of it. 
And then they have the guy who wrote Feliz Navidad. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. we have to <laughs> shout out Jose Feliciano, who you all know from his hit song, Feliz Navidad. Who knows? We might get to hear it in <laughs> September. It's a little out of season. Yeah. It's a little early. And also genuine. Yeah, and also genuine. <laughs> yeah, and also genuine. Speaking of Jose Feliciano, if you haven't seen it, pause the podcast, stop whatever you're doing, and go watch his performance of Every Breath You Take. <laughs> That he was playing for Sting at an award show in which Sting was being given some award. I don't know what the award show is, but just go watch that video. Trust me. Hold on. All right. Pause and you're going to edit this out. I'm going to go watch this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, you have a rabbit hole for us to go down regarding the agricultural aspect. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So I am like a little nerd for ag stuff. I didn't really have farm animals growing up. We had chickens and rabbits, but I didn't have anything like past that. But my brother and sister were both involved in 4-H, which is an agricultural club. So I was kind of always around it. My neighbors had horses that I took care of. I don't know. I like ag stuff. I'm a little horse girl, I guess you could say. So I always love going to ag fairs a lot. Like any fall fair that has farm animals, I love it. Like any horse girl. <laughs> yes. So at the Biggie, they have a bunch of livestock events, both competitions and just like the animals are there, but you can look at them. And they have more than 25 breeds of cattle, sheep, goats, and pigs from people all over the country and around the world. They have pulling contests for cattle and they have cow milking. They have a huge horse show, which is kind of like the biggest agricultural event every year. I went once. I think you have to like buy a separate ticket for it, if I remember correctly, but that was cool. It's one of the oldest horse shows in the country, I guess, which is also neat. And then they have like educational stuff about farming techniques and machinery and different stuff like that. And they have this thing called Farmarama, which is actually hosted in the Stroh building, oh. which is my last name. Yeah. So every year around the Big E time, I get like 10 people sending me pictures of the Stroh building. <laughs> any relation uh i couldn't actually find anything about it online i would have to probably dig a little bit deeper every time i looked up the stroh building it just came up with like information about it because you can like rent it out for events and stuff gotcha so i don't know if there's a connection to me directly at all but maybe but yeah in there is farmarama which is kind of all things farm ag related so that's like the produce stands with the produce contests. They have the Clydesdales that may or may not actually be in the building. They might be in a different building, which are the big horses with the hooves that go like clickety-clack. They're in parades. They have the chick hatchery. They have the giant pumpkins and squash. Um, they have beekeepers. They have giant pumpkin carving, apples and other things like that that are fall themed. And then they have landscapes and floral displays and whatnot. And I think that it might not be in that building, but it might be in the one adjacent to that is where they have all the craft competitions. So that's like the paintings and the quilting and 
all of that kind of stuff. I think that's in a different building. But that section is really fun. I don't remember if at the Big E they do it, but I know other fairs have like the kids area. And that's like my favorite area of every fair that has this is like the kids craft competitions <laughs> because they're unhinged. But I don't remember if the Big E has that. If they do, then I can't wait to see it. But if not, I also can't wait to see the really nice artwork there. But yeah, Connor briefly mentioned previously that there are butter sculptures at the Big E, which is true. Every year, there is a huge butter sculpture that's made out of 600 pounds of butter. That is so much butter. It is so much butter, and it is donated by some company. Donated to who? To these two sculptors called Jim Victor and Mary Pelton. Oh. I thought you meant like after the sculpture, the butter was donated. No. However, <laughs> like, they do they do go into detail, the two sculptors who I like, this is the rabbit hole. They are very cool. They talk about on their website, they have a whole thing where they talk about like what happens to the butter after and it gets recycled. So it gets like melted back down and turned into something else or turned into electricity or something like that. That's what they what, said. What into electricity? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I read it very briefly. I didn't look into it very far. Hold on, wait, is here it is. butter converted into electricity? <laughs> Food, this is the quote. Food like other organic waste products can be put into an anaerobic digester and turned into electricity. There are many farms throughout Pennsylvania and across the nation that use this process to break down manure and can take the food products we use for sculpture to light up a whole town. I doubt that that's completely accurate. I mean, 600 pounds of butter, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's like enough calories to put someone on a wheel enough to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also said, we've also given butter to processors of kitchen oils where they've turned it into energy. A thousand pounds of butter can be turned into 80 gallons of biofuel. Uh, the butter material we get from the dairy plants is waste material to start with, meaning that it was contaminated in some way and cannot be eaten. It is comforting to know that the food material we use for sculpture will be made into energy. So at least it's like not going to waste in terms of no one can eat that. Like it's already going to be used to get recycled into something else. But first we got to make a sculpture out of it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that that is the process and it's not just, you know, sticks off the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> they are actually two very famous sculptors that do sculpting for fairs across the country, not just the biggie. And they do sculpting of other food, not just butter which I thought was really fun. So they do cheese, they do chocolate, or if you'd rather say chocolate and cheese, like the famous Ween album. And then they do mixed food sculptures and of course butter. So this is their main gig. Yeah. Going from fair to fair, putting together food sculptures. It seems like it. They've also been hired by people to like make sculptures out of food as well for like events and stuff like that specifically one of the ones that it seems that they've done a lot for was subway they did a huge campaign it seems like where they'd made a bunch of like heads of football players out of subway food so like vegetables and bread and lettuce and they're terrifying I'm seeing the image that you just sent me and this is so so scary <laughs> so scary i like how there's a a sub theme of today's episode of just really disturbing sandwiches <laughs> yes yes um they have a bunch of these like the multi-food sculptures of just like people and i think oh, that no. that is like way scarier than anything else they're cool but they're freaky 
Um, There's something about a butter sculpture of a person that is like kind of heartwarming and acceptable <laughs> that a a sandwich sculpture what what even is con- like constituting this person's face i know I right th- i there's like avocado in the mix there's like sun-dried tomatoes and no, i just sent you it. <laughs> i just sent you another one that's a mixed food sculpture of fidel castro oh my god oh i like the cacti yeah they use cacti they use some various herbs to make his beard and then like other vegetables to make the rest of his face it's very it's scary See, i actually kind of like this one it's not as scary as the subway one i will say that yeah it's more stylized and this reminds me a lot more of that renaissance oil painter something arcambaldo who would make portraits where it was like a bunch of fruits and vegetables assembled into someone's face hmm. and that's what this reminds me of there's something about the hyper realistic food sculpture of someone's face that that is just not okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's where it enters the uncanny valley and becomes just very very scary. <laughs> yeah, they, this Fidel Castro one rocks. This yeah, awesome. I I just find it funny that they like made a sculpture of Fidel Castro. Yeah, <laughs> they also like I said do chocolate sculptures and they made Ms. Brown, the one and only Ms. Brown, the M M&M, and M out of chocolate. No. Yes. Wow. She looks great. It is a controversy a on the internet. Figure. Yes, <laughs> on whether Miss Brown or Miss Green is the hotter Eminem. <laughs> well, notably, Miss Green had her footwear changed yes. recently, which was a very debated subject on the internet. Yeah, and this might be their most controversial sculpture. Yeah, <laughs> not even Fidel Castro. <laughs> <laughs> they also, I'm giving you a few examples of every type of food that they've done. They did a a cheese gritty. Which must be recent, and I don't know if they did it, like, for him. Gritty being the mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers? Yes. Right. Wow. I'm looking at their website right now, and they do a lot of butter sculptures. I, I know. I have no idea That's why that there I were so sent many it. opportunities to yeah. make butter sculptures. They have so many, and it's because they just do it at, like, tons of fairs and, like, tons of different events, and they've been doing it for, like, 25 years. Oh, my God. And I have to wonder if they are the ones that sculpted the infamous cow butter sculpture that Ted Cruz stands in front of and says that the first words that his daughter ever said were, I love butter. That's a great question. That is probably the most notorious butter sculpture on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) I would say so. I'd say probably because maybe there's another, <laughs> maybe there's another even more controversial butter sculpture. I don't know. Um, they have some of their sculptures like labeled on here, but I don't know. Not all of them are, and so it's hard to say. And they do a lot of cows, which obviously they're doing like fairs. They do a lot of just like animals and farm related stuff with the butter. I'm glad to hear that this is possible as a full time gig. Right. But I'm even more surprised to learn that this is possible as a full-time gig. Yeah. Food sculptures in general. Yeah. And That's incredible. they're married. So it's pretty cool that they like are married and get to just like do this really obscure art together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that this was a really fun rabbit hole to go down. That's got to be a pretty small field. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Cannot be that many people. Full-time food sculptors that's great that's fantastic yeah greatly looking forward to seeing their work this year (laughs) i can't wait it'll be phenomenal (laughs) so before we completely move on from the biggie there's a couple pieces of info i want to make sure that we cover 
Uh, first of all are the dates. The fair goes from September 15th to October 1st, making it 17 days long. Parking-wise, try to get there early. Ideally, you might also want to park in a neighboring lot and not risk going into the main lot because it can get pretty hectic. No matter what, you're probably going to be sitting in a lot of traffic. But it is what it is, you know. 1.6 million people came to the fair last year. So, I mean, what can you expect? Another piece of advice I'd give is getting your ticket on your phone or online ahead of time so you don't have to wait in lines. I believe a adult ticket is about $20. Last thing I'll say is if there's anything I hope you take away from what we've been talking about, it's probably just that there's something for everybody at the Big E. Yes. No matter who you are, there is a... Uh, a great experience waiting for you in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, there's also there's also an entire country tent. I know we didn't mention a single country artist. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to throw that out there because I realized like we talked about Third Eye Blind and Puddle of Mud and Zed, but we didn't mention like that all of the ag people love country. So but yeah, no, there's something for everybody and it's a great opportunity to support small businesses from all over New England and where else can you go that every state in New England is only a short walk away? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? It's great. You can be one of the the millions of happy customers <laughs> over the years who have who've given it a shot. But just, you know, be prepared. It is a it is a full day excursion. You will be very tired. You will probably get sunburned. If you don't wear sunscreen, that's and a good if, point. And if you're definitely fair wear sunscreen, there's no Irish. shade anywhere except for the one tree that I took a nap under. Go to the baked potato tree <laughs> and then you'll be fine. <laughs> Keep an eye on the forecast. There's things to do if it's raining. I went once and it started raining and I had a poncho and it was like fine. It's kind of miserable because most of it's outside, but obviously there's like buildings you can go into. If you're planning to go to a concert, obviously you would want to buy that ticket online in advance. It's on their website. You could just go check it out. Just prepare for a lot of traffic. Prepare to see like a ton of signs as you're driving on the highway that say Big E traffic because that's how much traffic that there is that they put signs on the highway that say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the Big E. I love a fair. I'm a <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fair fan. A fanfare. Fan affairs. <laughs> By the time we're in the next episode, maybe we can do a recap. Yeah. Gotta look at my schedule. <laughs> but that, I think that's all we have for now on the Big E. Yeah. I think it's time for maybe some upcoming events. Besides the Big E, obviously. We have a, we have a couple. Obviously, the big one is the E, but we have a <laughs> couple e. beyond that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to quickly shout out my job. In general, we have a ton of shows coming up at Space Ballroom, College Street Music Hall, and Westville Music Bowl, all in the New Haven area. However, I wanted to shout out a specific event that's like more accessible. The Lemonheads are playing in Middletown at Harbor Park on September 16th for free. And you can go check it out. And the Lemonheads are awesome. They're a 90s band. And if you haven't listened to them, that is a you problem, I guess. It might be a little early to bring this up, but it's a perfect time interval after the Big E to where you can get your rest and relaxation in before you go festival mode all over again. And that is the Garlic and Harvest Festival in Bethlehem, Connecticut Woo! from October 7th to 8th. Me and Connor can't go. We can't. 
It's true. <laughs> we can't go. But I do love me a garlic festival. Yes, the garlic festival is great. I think one thing that I noticed last year while I was at the Bethlehem Garlic Festival, because they have pickles at the Bethlehem Garlic Festival because there's garlic and pickle juice. I realized that I want a pickle festival. Pickle festival would probably go insane. Yeah, and I'm sure that there is one, but I want to know about it and I want to go to it. So if anyone knows of a pickle festival... Hit my line because I will show up. I will pay whatever I need to to get in and I will eat lots of pickles. Fantastic. Anything else? Yeah, I have one more event actually, just super brief. September 16th in Rutland, Vermont. There's the second annual Whoopie Pie Festival, which is another like fair type thing because it's fall time now and everyone does those. I know Maine does a huge Whoopie Pie Festival every year. That's like in June, I think. Because whoopie pies are like the main state food or something. But I guess Rutland, Vermont has one too. And you should go check it out. And it seems like by their website, it's free to like go. Um, and they have a bunch of people who show up. Or not show up, you have to sign up. But they have a bunch of people who sign up and make like a shitload of whoopie pies to hand out as free samples. That's what they said on their website. I can't go to Rutland, Vermont on September 16th. But I want to. So if you live near there... You should go to that because free whoopie pies? Why not? If I remember correctly, they also make one giant one that is several feet in diameter. Their their website does have one. Their do website does have a very large whoopie pie, and it looks like it's like six people across. Six, six people across? Not laying down, not <laughs> laying down, standing side by side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very important distinction. Yes. They give out like an award to the best whoopie pie maker and they have like family stuff going on and like face painting and, you know, it's a fun little like town fair type thing. And I want to be at that, but I can't. Just go out there and enjoy one of the many festivals and like food specific festivals that are in and around New England this month because there are so many. So many. I could have listed like 20 that are happening over the next week. Yep. Just like go to your state's website and like look them up because they're there. Fall is really when New England is at its peak and there's just so many things to be done, more than we could cover. It's truthfully the most New England season of the year. Just do something. Get outside. Get outside. Eat, look at them. Look the at them leaves. New England. We're, we're going through a heat wave right now, but hopefully soon it will be over <laughs> and there will be pretty leaves to look at and apples to pick and pumpkins to carve and mashed potatoes. Even if it's 90 degrees, we'll be picking <laughs> apples and carving Jack O'Lanterns. I don't know because... if I'll be doing that if it's 90 degrees. I'll be I'll be doing it if it's a hundred degrees. I think I'll be sweating and crying and sweating. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not crying, <laughs> but I'm sweating in my office right now. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sweating in my office too. Honestly. Wow. Well, with that <laughs> from us sweatily. We thank you again. <laughs> Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at TNNE pod. You can email us with any comments you have at the new new Englanders at gmail.com. And yeah. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. It was a lot of fun. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. We love you.
so much.